You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. The phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line. We don't have any new callers today, so we'll start off with Seth. Hey, Ryan, it's Seth. A um, couple things for you. <clears throat> I don't think I'm mad anymore. I'm just, you know, it sucks that we suck, and that is what it is. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out a little bit why it is we're so bad. can't decide if it's... I mean, love's been bad. So is it just love? Is it love in the floor? Is it, you know... Right. Um, you know, what is it? Yeah, sorry, I got distracted there. Um, so, one thing I observed, I, I know the floor can be good, but I am wondering if his scheme is a little bit off, and I know people are open, like, on the tape, but are those first reads, are they fourth reads, are they coming open on time? Like, there's just so many questions I have around scheme that I don't understand, you know. If it's not open when it's supposed to be, and, and then the pocket collapses before Love has time to get back to that read, or Love panics before, like, I don't know whose fault are those things. You know, um, another question I have for you is, I just don't want to throw a hypothetical at you. If this year continues down this path, let's say we have the fifth overall pick. Um, and I'm going to say that um, the floor gets fired. So that's that's part of this hypothetical. One, who would you hire as a coach? Um, looking around the league, I want to hire a young offensive guru. I think it's clear that the offensive minds are the way it's going. So my struggle is you look at the top offenses, you know, the Niners, the Dolphins, whoever, the Rams, all of the guys calling the plays are the head coaches. So you wonder, is the OC going to be good or not? So anyways, do you have any insights there? And my second thing, my second layer to that question is, if we have the number five pick, hypothetically, are yeah, – are we going quarterback no matter what, or only if one of the top two, three guys is left? Um, and would you start them right away, or would you let Love play a little bit more next year to see if maybe he could turn it around? And worst-case scenario, you have two really good guys. Like, how do you approach that with Love and that guy? Because Love's going to be on the roster next year, most likely, unless they cut him and say screw the money just so he's not in the building with the new guy. Um I will be honest, I, I've been a huge Love fan. I'm still holding out hope. He has all the talent. It's just not coming together. So I'm hoping that, and, and I'll be honest, I disagree with not just with you, but anyone who says he's not a rookie, that's true to an extent, but he's also not a four-year of that. I'm sorry, playing is different than watching. Um, you know, just like watching sports growing up. Anyways, I'm about to run time. Talk to you later. Well, I mean, he's not a rookie because it's it's different, but he's not a four-year vet. I mean, it's it's something in between. Um, but 
All right, so as far as the if we draft a quarterback, what do we do with Love? I mean, look, if we draft a quarterback, Love is out. I mean, I don't think there's really – I mean, I guess you could say there's a scenario where we draft a quarterback and we don't trade away Love, which is also probably somewhat unlikely because at that point we've made the decision. Um, but let's just say hypothetically we decided to keep Jordan around and we start off with Jordan because he's the most experienced and kind of do that whole thing where it's like, well, he's going to be, he's our starter. We're committed to him, which I mean, at this point, I mean, give me a freaking break. If you take a guy like in the top five or whatever, but whatever, they play that game and Jordan just balls out. And it's like, we can't bench him because he's just playing out of his freaking mind. He is like a top three quarterback and he does that all year. What do you do? I mean, I I don't know. I mean, I I guess you keep Jordan and you develop the other guy and maybe trade him. I don't know. Um, but I, I, I think if you, if you invest in a quarterback in the top five, you're, you're a hundred percent committed and you're not really giving Jordan a chance. If you want to give Jordan a chance, you don't draft another quarterback. Um, as far as the offensive, or I should say, as far as the head coaches, um, Ben Johnson is, is one of the big names that comes up. The Lions offensive coordinator, um, it's been probably one of the biggest names, um, Ajiro Evero, the defensive coordinator, I don't necessarily love because I just, I, I like being, especially for being a Green Bay Packers team. I like sticking with offense. It's been our identity since forever. I want to stick with that. I think offense is, is how you win in the NFL. Not to say it can't work. I just don't like it. Um, Frank Smith is the Dolphins offensive coordinator. I think that does make a lot of sense as much as I hate the idea of pretending that the offensive coordinator is what made it what it is. But at the same time, you know that every single time there is like a a team that is taking over you start taking from that tree and so mcdaniel's gonna have a tree it's just a matter of do you want to be sort of first pick of the litter and getting that offensive coordinator that's there helping to build and develop what is that offense doesn't mean it's going to work doesn't mean he's going to be a head coach you know outside of a play caller or if he's even going to be a good play caller i have no idea but um that does make sense as a, as a thing, Ken Dorsey is the Bills offensive coordinator. Brian Callahan is the Bengals offensive coordinator. Press Taylor with the Jaguars. Um, Brian Johnson with the Eagles. Uh, who else seems like an I'm skipping a couple that are stupid. And some of these are, I mean, they're stupid, but um, it seems like they're just listing offensive coordinators that, that seem dumb to me. Um, I'm sure a lot of people will be screaming for Eric Bieniemy. I absolutely am not interested in that. <laughs> Jim Bob Cooter. I'm good lord. How many times has that experiment been tried? No, thank you. That's like that laser guy. Like, <laughs> can we put that to sleep, please? Um, maybe Todd Munkin for the Ravens, possibly, could be an option. I mean, a lot of this is going to come down to okay, you're an offensive coordinator for a su- successful team. Cool. Um, can you be a good play caller? You know, or or was it just the head coach? So especially if you have a defensive head coach and you're getting it done as an offensive play caller, like in Detroit, that's when you really feel excited about it. But then there's a question of, can you be a leader? Can you game plan and all that? Which again, you look at the Lions and the culture that they have and everything else, and that's when you kind of say, okay, that's why the, the Lions guy is kind of front and center. Not to say he's leading it, but to come out of that culture to be a guy that has built an offense around, you know, Jared Goff with one wide receiver and, a you know, obviously a good offensive line, but... I think that's why he's he's being targeted as much as he is. But I think the Dolphins offensive coordinator also makes sense. But you have to get to know the person. You have to know, is this a, a genuine leader or is it just a, a guy who was the offensive coordinator for a talented guy? So that would be the direction I'd want to go. I'd want an offensive guy. And ideally, you find somebody that's going to bring in a good culture. Now, I, I don't want to just go full on the other direction. Like, well, we tried the play caller and we didn't have the culture. So go get a culture guy. You get a culture guy that can't call plays. You know, and and now your team is motivated but sucks, and then they become not motivated because when your team sucks, you're not going to be motivated. So, I mean, you know, it it seems like an unfair thing, but you're trying to find the total package. And if they're missing anything, they need to be able to bring in coordinators that can fill in the gaps. You know, if you're if you're a culture guy but not much of a, a scheme guy, then you need a really good offensive and defensive coordinator to help you out. So, Brian Aaron from Eau Claire, um, just giving you a quick call because I was just thinking about the season that the Packers are having and then I was thinking about the newest Batman movie that came out a what was it a year ago, two years ago? All right. Um 
I don't know if you've seen that movie, no. but there's a part of the movie where Bruce Wayne is um, trying to figure out the mystery, and he kind of like pushes all the furniture out of the way in his giant mansion living room, and he's just like like spray painting all of the different clues on the floor and trying to like make a big connection with all of it. Uh, kind of like what people, what they seems unnecessary, but all right. Doing all those like detective shows and they have like yeah. a serial killer that they're trying to find and they, they have to put all these little things with strings attached to them to try right. to figure out the connections. Well, anyways, I was just thinking like if I were Matt LaFleur right now, I would probably be trying to do something like that where I'm like, okay, we've had incredibly up and down performances from this team. Maybe I need to sit down and make a big, like, diagram of what the what the connection is. You know, here's what worked. When we had these hot quarters of football where we were scoring and we're moving the ball, here's what we did. And when we weren't, here's what we did. And then make the connections. And I, I'm sure to some degree that's what he's doing, but it seems like there's got to be a way to tap into those moments where they're getting hot and scoring and moving the ball because it's not it's not complicated stuff when they are doing that. It's just like delivering the ball to the right place. Um, so anyways, I'm not giving up on Jordan Love as a quarterback, although I'm not um, I'm not saying I'm completely in the belief that he will pan out as a really good quarterback. I'm just not giving up yet because I think that there's no reason to not just give him the season um, because even if he fails or doesn't make any improvements or doesn't prove he can be that quality starter for a long time. Um, I think it still gives them a lot of information that will be useful for them moving forward uh, in the draft and free agency and everything next year. So anyways, let me know what you think. Yeah, I mean, it, look, it's unlikely that everything stays exactly the same as it is. And so we're going to have new information enter the equation here, um, you know, after the Vikings game and after all these many, many, many games, things are going to change, whether that's positively or negatively. And so, you know, I don't want to try to sit here today in week eight, or prior to week eight, and say, here's what needs to happen for 2024, because I don't know how this season's going to shake out. I mean, the season's already been different the first half compared to the second half. So, you know, again, we would just let it play out. Let's see who improves. Let's see what, you know, who rises to the top and who sinks to the bottom, and we'll sift it out then. Um, maybe we need a new organizational change. We need a new GM and a new head coach. Maybe we need a new quarterback. Maybe the receivers aren't good enough and we need to start looking at a true number one. Maybe, you know, we really need to revamp the offensive line. Maybe we... You know, the focus shifts back to the defense as we give up, you know, the Vikings score like 35 points on us or something, and suddenly it's like Joe Barry's got to go today. We're not waiting for this. I mean, stuff changes. So, you know, that's why I don't want to... I know this is the topic of the day, and I'm just kind of responding to what's in front of me, but, you know, we're, we're really hammering hard on really just the last couple of games, and that's going to change. It might not. I mean, maybe it'll be this, the same thing, and I hope not because I just want to talk about something else, to be honest. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm glad we got off the defense for a little bit. Now I'm already tired of not, like, let's go back to the defense or something here. Cause <laughs> this is, this is not fun. Um, yeah, we'll I mean, we'll see how it plays out. We, Jordan's going to get the year. He might get another year after that, even if he doesn't improve, you know, if we win four more games and we get the seventh or eighth or ninth pick, um, probably not going to get a quarterback. We'll get a tackle. Jordan will come back, you know, the off season, Hope springs eternal. We'll be talking, hey, Jordan, you know, he started to look a little better at the end of the season. I think he was starting to figure it out. You know, we got a new tackle now, so the offense can improve, so Jordan's going to improve. Uh, you know, we got that receiver in the third round. Or, uh, that would be stupid. We got another receiver in the second round or something. I don't know. So I think he can be da 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 I don't know. I don't know. Um, 
you don't know what's going to happen. You know what I mean? So it's fair enough to say at this point in time, here's kind of where we're at. And if the season ended today, here's what I would think. But I don't want to pretend the season has ended today and that we need to act that way moving forward. Let's just see what happens this week and we'll go from there. Hey, Ryan. Hey. What's up, man? It's Joe, the janitor from up, Connecticut. Man. So, still Monday, the late afternoon hangover finally wore off. Um, but the pain from from this last game hasn't. Um, and uh, after thinking about it and looking through some stuff, I'm, I'm really going to have to agree with, um, with uh, Mike from uh, New Jersey here that, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, a lot of coaching problems. And, um, like, I, don't, I, I really don't get it. I saw a stat that Jordan Love is um, 6 for 27 on uh, attempts of 20 yards or more, 6 of 27 with three interceptions and zero touchdowns. Um, now that's just crazy. Like, um, take the ball out of his hands. Should be figuring out ways to help your young quarterback. This is a total Matt LaFleur problem. Um, for instance, um, Jordan Love does suck, but you you let him throw the ball 31 times yesterday, 31 times. And you know how many touches Aaron Jones got? Aaron Jones got eight touches, the best player on our team. So um, I think player management, uh, usage management, uh, needs to be put strictly on Matt LaFleur's hands. I mean... Um, well, you know why Aaron Jones didn't get played, though, right? Because he was on pitch count because he's injured. I mean, we can't seriously believe that we, we wanted A.J. Dillon to be our number one wide receiver by almost double the amount of snaps. That has nothing to do with why he wasn't getting the opportunities. I mean, they took him off the field and put in Emmanuel Wilson. And on top of that, Aaron Jones is hurt right now. He's sore because he played injured. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's... If you want to question whether he should have been out there at all, fine. But he wasn't healthy and limited just because they thought it would be a good idea to just play a ton of Dylan and Emmanuel Wilson and not Aaron Jones. Another stat that um, when, Aaron, when Aaron Jones touches the ball... More than 15 times, our overall record is 35 and two. 35 and two. Um, if he touches the ball more than 15 times in a game, so what's going on here? Is he just that hurt, or um, yes. is our coach just that? No, I just doesn't see the same stats that we see. I guess. Um, anyway, that's just my two cents for now. No, because but even even when Jones on. even when Jones doesn't get a ton of carries, he always gets more than Dylan. Again, the fact that Dylan had twice the carries and the fact that Emmanuel Wilson played as much as he did, especially down the stretch. I mean, that's it's and and we know that Aaron Jones came into the game on the injury report. We knew he was going to be on a pitch count. We know he's still injured, might not even play this week as a result. Um I mean, that seems pretty conclusive to me the situation. It it has nothing to I mean, no. That that's that was not decided because they thought it would just be a good idea to not play Aaron Jones. But again, and, and and this is another thing that I heard come up on uh, one of Clayton's podcasts was, you know, the, the, the I don't want to misrepresent what was said, but the, just sort of a question in terms of, like, what what is the strategy here? Because we're holding people out, we're limiting snaps, and then they're getting hurt. You know, maybe Aaron Jones just shouldn't have been out there, which, fair enough, but at the same time then, should Rashawn Gary have played a single snap this year? If it's a matter of they're hurt and they shouldn't be playing, you know what I mean? Or or should Elton Jenkins be out there? Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the answer to that question. Um, there's certainly risk involved with putting an injured player out there. When do you put him out there? And, and do you put him out with limited snaps? Should you just not play him? I, I, I don't know. But the Aaron Jones thing certainly does seem to be pretty bad. And... Um, if we wanted to, we could say poorly managed, but he does seem to be sort of an outlier in this in this situation with the injuries and whatnot. Because um, even even Eric Stokes was a different injury; it was just a completely random thing that popped up. Um, maybe he hadn't been training and you know doing stretches or whatever properly while he hasn't been working, and then just going on an all-out sprint on special teams. I don't know. I don't know, man. But um, uh, yeah, the Aaron Jones thing seems pretty rough. Um, 
and and again this is why i've always said like soft tissue is crazy because sometimes they're back pretty quick within a week and sometimes they're off for several several weeks and with jones he's just not it's just not healing and then we put him back in there and and it's again looking like he's really struggling with it which you know maybe he'll be fine i don't know matt lafleur said he just needed some some time and he'll be okay but as long as you know he's he's questionable as long as he is a um you know not a as long as he's on the injury report i'm gonna have questions i guess but whatever i don't know i mean it's just it's just a bad year for injuries and and again a lot of times we're always looking for for answers right we always want somebody to fire or somebody to blame for things and sometimes stuff just happens sometimes you you just get by the bit by the injury bug it's the same coaching staff that had a low level of injuries or or training staff you know the packers had i remember a couple of years ago, everybody always thought the Packers had, were one of the worst teams in football for injuries. And I went and looked it up, and over the last like five years or something, they were one of the lowest teams with injuries in the entire NFL. But because there was a period that was bad, like a very brief period a long time ago, Packer fans just assumed, oh, we're terrible with injuries. And every time there's an injury or a hamstring, it's like, see, again, we're the worst team. Because again, we don't compare it to... We compare it to the standard of perfect and not comparing it to the standard of how many injuries do other teams face. And we didn't realize that actually this is a really low number of injuries. So now we're getting bit by the injury bug. It's going to happen at some point. Maybe somebody's to blame. Maybe somebody isn't. Maybe it's just injuries. You know, maybe Christian Watson just got bent backwards. Maybe, uh, you know, whatever his name is, Luke Musgrave just got popped in the head and then later, you know, hurt his ankle or something. You know, it, we don't always need somebody to blame or somebody to fire. Sometimes stuff just goes wrong. I mean, maybe, but maybe not, though. It makes everybody angry, but sometimes there's just not a solution to a problem. Anyways, why don't we go ahead and take our first break. If you want to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can do that. Otherwise, hit me up on Venmo at Packernet Podcast. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now. Introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hey, Ryan. Truck about here. Howdy. I'm in Phoenix, Arizona, staying in a hotel for a couple of days. Our truck broke down, and we had to be towed into a shop. It looks like we're going to be here for several days. Anyways, I thought I would rain down on the Jordan Love crucifixion party. A poster posted a fascinating statistic on a Facebook page. This is what it said. Green Bay has the number one scoring offense in the second half and the worst scoring offense in the first half. 
I go, what the crap is that? How can that be? Since I had the day off, I did some research that almost all afternoon, and I watched the game again. I looked at the play-by-play and saw game after game. There would be these nice orchestrated drives and also these going-nowhere drives. There is a common denominator that shows up in every single game. If you fix this one glaring problem, Green Bay is 5-1 and one, or even 6-0 and oh, instead of being 2-4. and four. Not that there aren't other issues, but there is one glaring issue. And you fix this one problem, and all young teams have this problem, and go through this. You got us on the edge of the seat. There it is. It's penalties. Of the 61 offensive drives, and we don't include end of half and end of game where you just kneel down, 28 of the drives had penalties, or 46% of all Green Bay drives have an offensive penalty. When Green Bay has an offensive penalty, only five times does Green Bay score, or 18% of the time. So if Green Bay has an offensive penalty, they're screwed. Of the 33 drives where Green Bay has no penalties, they score 17 times, or that's 52% of the time they'll have a field goal or a touchdown. Of the 33 drives with no penalties, 11 times Green Bay's three and out where they get a first down and three and out. Then they punt. 17 times they scored a field goal or a touchdown, and five times they had an interception. This is my conclusion. I'm trying to finish quickly here. Young, inexperienced teams have penalties. In other words, if a team has a discipline problem, which is common, Green Bay and Love's offense works just fine. Just need to quit having so many drive-killing penalties. Trucker Bob, Jordan Love supporter, I'm out. I almost need to go back through that a couple times just to kind of catch everything that you were saying. That was um, pretty solid information. And I also was kind of trying to look up some other stuff as we went along there. Um, those are pretty interesting statistics that I'm, I'm trying to, again, my mind immediately goes to NFL-wide. Like, obviously penalties are going to stall out drives for every team, right? If, if you have a penalty on a drive, it's going to, it's going to hurt that drive. Let's see if I can just read this. Of the 61 offensive drives, don't include in the half. Yeah, the transcription kind of sucks here. 46% of all Green Bay drives had an offensive penalty. When Green Bay has an offensive penalty, only five times does Green Bay score for 18% of the time. So if Green Bay has an offensive penalty, they're screwed. Of the 33 drives, Green Bay has no penalties. They scored 17 times, 52% of the time. They'll have a field goal or a touchdown. Yeah, so I guess what I'm trying to nail down, and maybe maybe you touched on it, and I just I can't find it in the transcription here, and I don't want to just play it again. Um, is you know you mentioned the first half, second half discrepancies. So I would assume the penalties have been largely first half cited, and not so much in the second half. I mean, it's it certainly is a contributing factor. Um, I mean, one of the immediate counterpoints, and again, this isn't necessarily a first half, second half thing. But um, Green Bay does not rank very high in terms of offensive penalties. They have 41 penalties. That's on the low end. So one, two, three, four. And granted, they've played less games, so on a per game, it's a little bit higher. But one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen from the bottom. So they're a middle of the road team in terms of penalties. And so again, the the only th- reason I bring that up is. Penalties negatively affect everyone. You know who has the most penalties? The 49ers. They have 50 penalties for a grand total of 421 yards, which is uh, second. New Orleans has 46 penalties for 440 yards against. And then if you look at the net, which is how many are called against you compared to how many go in your favor, the Packers are minus one. So they've had 41 penalties, but 40 penalties have been called in their favor. And the net yards actually works in our favor also. 106 yards of penalties have gone in our favor, which is the third highest. Only Denver and Jacksonville have had more penalty yards work in their favor than the Green Bay Packers. So, I mean, there's no question penalties are drive killers. And, and the issue that we're seeing is is sort of 
a drive killing issue. But we'd have to kind of dig a little bit deeper in terms of are the Packers uniquely struggling to get out of these holes and compared to other teams? Are we very front loaded in terms of where the penalties are happening in the first half so that, um, you know, that's what's causing us to struggle in the first half. And then when we stop the penalties, I mean, I, I know that didn't happen in the last game because there were quite a few penalties in the second half. But overall, has that been kind of a an issue which at least explains why the second half is better than the first half? I don't know, but I'm I'm glad you brought up a different dynamic and a different way of looking at things. Um, I definitely appreciate the more investigative uh, thinking, um, especially since you know penalties come up, and so you want to dig into it and, and see the impact that that's had. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's something to kind of continue digging into. I can't say I'm 100% a, a believer um, in terms of that being kind of the, the sole driving factor here. But it is a factor, and it definitely is worth more exploration, I guess. What's going on, Ryan? It's from Alabama. What's up? So, <laughs> so this is what we rolling with right now? <laughs> this, this is what we, this, this, this we going to roll with? It was the offensive line, bro. I can um I can take a, a snippet of that and then um I don't know if you're on Patreon I can put it on there otherwise just reach out to me I'll try to get you a video of it so you can look at it and what I'll include in that is the second and 20 because that's even worse the second and t- it should have been converted to play before on a second and 20 to Jaden Reed at at worst that pulled up like a third and 5 like if Jaden Reed catches it and the most heroic amazing play by the defense happens and it's five yards short and we don't even have to deal with it that's my biggest issue then you've got the third and 20 which you could have thrown it if you just threw a better ball potentially that's a 50 50 ball to samori Ture and it works you also could have dumped it to dylan i think the best play would have been to throw the quick out route to dobbs and put up like a fourth and maybe like a fourth and ten between a fourth and ten and a fourth and five i think is what probably would have been if he could have turned up the field and got a little extra um. So I mean, there, there was just nothing good about that situation at all. Quarterback angle, so I can see exactly who was open on the play. But I was seeing bits and pieces of the play that I tried to watch it over and over again, and it looked like it was a couple of guys open. It was kind of if you don't read down the field when he went to Toure, the ball to Toure yeah, read would be tough. Toure looked like he was trying to feel a punt. When he turns around, that just was a terrible throw. So let's get the scenario broke now. Okay, you say why take a eight? Why take eight yards on third and twenty? The guy that I saw that's supposed to be at the eight yard mark, it was, a, it was a little room to kind of run. So if you catch this ball at the eight yard mark, can't get four, five more extra yards on the ground. Yeah. We got plenty of time at this at this time. This this is like a minute and fifty left on the clock. So you got time. Go the eight yard route. So what you got? A fourth and seven. Sorry, I paused the wrong one. Again, remember we don't need a touchdown. We just need to get close enough to kick a field goal, right? So that's something else to consider. It, it's not about we have to get the first down necessarily. It was third and 20 from the 46-yard line. If you give the ball to Romeo Dobbs and he only gets 10 yards, now it's fourth and 10 from the 36-yard line. You don't have to go for it. You can kick a field goal and win the game. Or at least kick a field goal with, you know, a minute and 40 left and see if your defense can put something together. 
But again, it's not even necessarily the decision, although I don't think it was the greatest decision. It was, it was if you're going to make that throw, fine, but make a better throw. And if you can't make the throw because you, you, you can't get it 60 yards down the field, then don't throw it. So, I mean, yeah, again, there's just there's, there's nothing good about any of that. We was at the 46-yard line. You get 13 yards. Exactly. You got a long field goal try if you wanted to do that. If you wanted to. I would. I would. I wouldn't, probably wouldn't have tried it, even though it is my high and you got a little aptitude, you probably can get something down. But either way, that's a way better play than just throwing something up and hoping and praying somebody catches it. It's like, bro. Well, and that's the other thing. Even if it just comes up incomplete, even if it's not picked, if you throw a 50-50 ball and it just goes incomplete, now it's 4th and 20 from the 46, get yourself in field goal range. You're not in field goal range at the 46. Take 10 yards and at least get in field goal range. If you want to dump it to Dylan, I don't think Dylan could have got too many yards after that. There's, they're playing zone. The defenders are to crash downhill pretty fast. If he picks up, you know, maybe four or five yards, I mean, you're you're kind of pushing it. I get that part of it. But again, I mean, I just I, I can't help but first of all, again, the second and twenty, you you are a hundred percent in field goal range, probably picking up a first down. That got botched. Then you got the next play. Get it to Dobbs. We're in field goal range. You can make a decision to go for it if you want on fourth and eight-ish. Um, I don't remember exactly where he was. I'm kind of making up numbers, but it was roughly that. But I, again, in my mind, just just kick the field goal. You know, Try to get the win. If you miss it, freaking oh well. Um, if you make it, then you got to get a defensive performance, whatever. But I just think when you're out of field goal range on third and 20, you don't want to be in a fourth and 20 where you have to go for it and you have to convert on top of that. I mean, you can't just, now you can't just do the layup. You could, your opportunity for the layup was the last play. So, I mean, I just, I think it was a bad decision. I don't think taking a shot in third and 20 is the right decision. Take half of it, get in field goal range, see how much you picked up. If it's, if it's fourth and four, maybe you try it. If it's fourth and 10, you kick the field goal. Situational awareness. Offensive line excuse this time. We can't use no excuse about no offensive line with no penalties. Losing the whole doggone game. That's just not that's not it. Yep. Part two. I knew I was gonna get cut off. I'm Chris <laughs> Malabama. But to say that the offensive line's blocking was so terrible that Jordan Love didn't have time to throw a three-yard pass or any type of pass. I don't know what game you were watching, sir. <laughs> I don't. I don't know what game you were watching. And 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 it is. Yeah, it's funny. Clayton talks about that all the time. It's amazing how two people can watch the same game and come away with completely different conclusions. And, and it's true. I mean, there there really is. And I know, like your predisposed ideas come through. Like if you really hate this offensive line and you see a pressure you immediately click into, like, did we freaking go again? I hate this offensive line. Same thing with Jordan, right? If Jordan throws the ball a little off target, like, oh, this freaking guy, I can't believe it. Whereas, you know, you get peak Aaron Rodgers or something, it's a little off. It's like, eh, you know, it's no big deal. I think I think the, re- the way that this essentially works is we have these predisposed ideas, and as soon as we see something that, that feeds that idea, it gets magnified times 10. And then if you're supporting Jordan Love and you see a slightly off-target pass, it's like, that's not a big deal. You just you kind of downplay it, same with the offensive line or anything else. I think we're all doing that. And over the course of a game, we, we end up in such different places. I'll come out and be like, see, I freaking told you about Jordan. And people look at me like, Jordan was fine, you idiot. It's the offensive line. And somebody else is like, it was a play calling. We're all looking at each other like, you guys are freaking drunk. I don't know what you're talking about. It was just blowing my mind like, oh, are we serious right now? This is where we're going with this? And then it's just like the play calling. Just like you say, Ryan, how can we really say the play calling is bad if we don't know what the play is? Right. Well, it's like, it's like you just said. I need the All-22 so I can see what happened. But apparently a lot of people don't need to see what happened. They don't need to know what happened. I don't need to know what plays were called. You know, I mean, again, with the whole rock, paper, scissors thing, what was it a good offensive play call against a defensive play call? Well, I don't know what the offense or defensive play call was. I don't know if anybody was open. I couldn't see down the field. All I saw was Jordan Love take the ball, throw it out of bounds, and go, that play sucked. Like, I, what? <laughs> you know, or, or like the, the play to Wicks. Like, why'd you do that? Well, why not? Well, because it's stupid. Why was it stupid? Because it didn't work? 
Well, because it's risky. How is it risky? We ran a play up the gut that lost two yards. Is that risky? We, we, we threw a pass that got intercepted. Is that too risky? Is, is, is a basic pass risky because it could get tipped and intercepted? Is a run play risky because it could go for negative yards? I mean, define risky to me. What is a play that is too risky? Was the, the play from Wicks to Aaron Jones? That was risky. Should we not have done it? I mean, again, I'm just asking people to define their terms. What things specifically shouldn't we do and why? Don't just say generic things like, well, we shouldn't do risky. First of all, why? And second of all, define risky. Because every play has risk. A player could, you could run the ball right up the gut and fumble the ball and somebody picks it up and scoops and scores. That's a risk. I mean, we, 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 I, just, I just don't like the talking in generalities. Give me very specific things that you think are right. And a lot of people are doing that, to their credit, when they call in. Like, these are the things. And it's like, okay, I don't necessarily agree. But at least you've defined where you're at. I just want to know what you're saying. Don't just say bad play calling, because that doesn't mean anything. You don't know what the play was. Well, I, you know, we, we ran this, and it, you know, the, the, the trick plays. I don't like the trick plays, because we're not up to that level yet. Fair enough. That is a fair enough statement. I, again, I don't know if I agree. I kind of like the aggressiveness and I think if and, and I also don't really like that because I think if the aggressiveness was working, nobody would really have a problem with it. Right? It's just the fact that it hasn't been executed a couple times. And in fact, I think if if we weren't doing any of that and the offense was working, we'd be saying different things. That's the only reason I don't really like it. Because it's not something that stands on its own. Right? In other words, regardless of the success, I don't think it's smart to do this with a team that is uh, not up to speed. I think you should be more passive. I think we're only saying that now because we're trying to find answers. And so we've seen a couple plays that are not just basic, you know, five-yard pass or run up the gut that haven't been successful. So we say, see, you're an idiot. We shouldn't be doing that. Like, all right, I mean, we can, we can, we can just hack this playbook down to nothing if you want. I just, I don't know. That's not necessarily the direction i'd rather go I'd, I'd like to keep the foot on the pedal and if we just run that thing into a freaking bridge at 150 miles an hour then so be it but i don't want to lose and be neutered at the same time that's not my favorite option and how can we say that the play calling is bad when we already are seen that this quarterback has accurate issues down the field he can't throw well, and that, that's the other thing that, that kind of gets me. I'm sorry I keep cutting you off. I'll, I'll be quiet. But, and I've, I've already made this point, but why would you assume that it's play? Like, you, you, you have to assume that Jordan is doing a great job. You have to assume that if somebody was open, Jordan would see it, he would throw it accurately, and it would be a completion. And because he's not doing that, I have to know that the play calling is bad. But you already know Jordan's messing up. So why would you assume that he's doing well when you can see that he's not doing well? I don't, I don't I don't know how you get from A to B there. with a stat. This man has a 38 quarterback rating with passes 10 yards or less. We're not even gonna, we ain't even going to go down the field. When I saw that when I saw that statistic I was like, "Are you kidding me?" 10 yards or less. Jordan Love quarterback rate is 38.7. Right, and that, that was the point I made before, too, where it's like the deep passing is bad, but if you look at the shorter passes, it's not good. Like, it's not like, well, he's, he's, he is an elite quarterback. He just struggles with deep down the field. No, he struggles all over the field. That, that, that is just ridiculous. The writing is on the wall. I get it. You're a Jordan Love guy. Support Jordan Love. I get it. But we can't be like these Bear fans and just be in straight denial like this quarterback is not playing good football. He's not. He has not put a complete game together all season. And the last three weeks he has been putrid. Putrid. It's a good word, putrid. And to clear up something before I run out of time again, I ain't trying to call back no more. It's just mind-boggling what's going on with the with the, with the excuses. That excuse, that I was I was laughing so hard. Like, are we, are we really going with the offense line? But if Jordan Love, the clear up point, if Jordan Love was to turn this thing all the way around and and and, and play like a top-tier quarterback. I might give him another year to see what's going right, on. 100%. I just don't believe that's going to happen. 
he'll probably play a little bit better, have flashes here or there or whatnot. But I just don't I just don't see him being a quarterback that, that can that can consistently play good football. And until I see that, I mean I'm I'm out. And that's just is what it is, but I'm about to run out of time. We can't blame the offensive line, man. Come up with something else. Go pack go. Yeah, I think we're we're largely on the same page. Even like if I had to guess the future, I, I think we're both on the same page. I think he's going to have some flashes. I think he's going to have some good games. Um, you know, he'll, yeah, I know PFF isn't the ultimate. It's just a way of kind of describing it. I think he'll have some games in the seventies. Um, probably you know two or three or whatever. It'll be good enough to win games. It'll be a good enough to buy him a second year. I think that's what's going to happen. Um. And I, you know, we'll, we'll probably invest in the offensive line because tackle is a pretty serious issue that needs to be addressed. We might hammer it real hard in the in the mid rounds and late rounds as well. We'll see. Um, that would be my guess: is we will be picking in the top ten, but not a quarterback. We'll be probably taking a tackle, and we'll be rolling with Jordan Love next year to give him a second year, based on you know. Again, the the coach will say all the things that that you would expect him to say. He's going to say, you know, uh, we we Jordan did a lot of good things. We saw a lot of progress. I think the team as a whole has a lot to clean up, and as as those things clean up, Jordan will get better. And and we have faith in that. That's that is a classic line, regardless of how things go, and regardless of what the reality is. That's what's going to be said. And then it's a question of like, is he going to be just be a new quarterback next year? Which is possible because again, I don't know how to gauge this whole thing. Like if 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 this legitimately is, let's say, a rookie year, then there's reason for optimism. Because again, if you if you look at it, I was talking about it on yesterday's Packer After Dark, I think it was. You know, most quarterbacks are good either, I mean, most good quarterbacks are good in their first two years. A lot of them, it was year two. And if he ends with an average grade this year, there's every reason to believe he could be a good quarterback next year. And, and who knows how much of a jump. I mean, that's essentially what... Um, uh, Eagles quarterback Jalen Hurts. He was average year one, good year two, great year three. Could be that trajectory. It's just hard to know. Is is that Jordan or or whatever? But yeah, I think I think that's how it's going to go. I think it'll be he'll play well enough to get um to get another year. It won't be good, and I'm not going to be satisfied. I think most of the fan base is going to say he was really good, and he showed that he can be the guy. And it was everybody else's fault for all the all the, all the problems. He showed obvious um, growth, and if you can't see it at this point, then you don't know how to watch ball and blah 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 blah. I can see it already, um, but that's that would be my prediction of how it's going to go. We're going to take one more break. Chris from Alabama did call back again, so we're going to kick it off with Chris from Alabama um, right after the break. One more thing, one more time, from this lab one. As far as the play calling is concerned, I'm looking at and I'm looking at it as I've been seeing my quarterback playing bad football, can't get the ball down the field, can't get in the rhythm. I start the game off. I got I got my top running back back. And I start the game off running the football, and I see it's working. We're getting four or five yards a pop to start the game off. That's the other thing that's funny to me is everyone's upset that we ran the ball, but they're also upset that we didn't use Aaron Jones. Like, well, the play calling sucks because we, we ran the ball on first down so much. It's like, okay, but it worked. And then also we took a big play-action shot on, on the first first down in the third quarter because of all the running, and that worked. So why are we mad about it? Like, well, it's so run, run, pass. Well, it obviously is not just run, run, pass every time. That's not what happened. We did run the ball a lot because that's what's successful, unlike passing. Don't you want to do what's working? Because if we didn't do what was working and we leaned on the thing that wasn't working, you'd be upset about that too. I just People just want to be upset about stuff. They're, they're always going to find something no matter what. I'm going to continue to run the football. I got a struggling quarterback. My run game seems like it's trying to work. Right. Let's pound this football. Let's find the football, see if we can open up some pads. And it did. And with them saying, oh, well, they're not giving Jordan Love time to go down the field. Why would I give a quarterback time to go down the field that I know that he cannot get the ball down the field? Right, and and, and if anything, you would be upset with 
Matt LaFleur for giving him so many shots down the field because he's taken a lot of shots down the field. That's the thing. Like, it, it depends what fan you're talking to because sometimes it's the exact opposite. Sometimes it's we need to simplify and kind of rein it in. And then other people are like, well, they're, they're constraining him too much and they need to let him free. And it's like, oh, that's not true at all because he takes a lot of shots down the field. It's just not been successful. If anything, Matt LaFleur needs to rein that in and be like, no, nah, dude, we're not doing that. But you can't do that either because... You know, again, as as Matt LaFleur and everybody else have said, if you're an offense that can't generate or refuses to generate explosive plays, you're really putting yourself behind the eight ball. I mean, a heck of a lot of what this offense is, is trying to set up that a big explosive play. If you're not doing that, I don't know what you're doing. So, you know, you've, you've got to take shots, but you've got to have a guy that can that can do it also. I'm gonna try to get him some on some short on some short passes, some screens, something to try to get some kind of rhythm going, some type of way. It's just like you only gonna have so many plays in the bag that they, you can use in a game, and then you're more limited because you. Manlafleur knows this man is struggling down this field. He know he's struggling down the field. So why would I call multiple plays? To, Go down the field with a quarterback that can't get it down there. It's the quarterback, people. Now, I might if if I if he do a whole three sixty just like I said, and he come out the rest of the year blazing, and he played lights out and end up top top fifteen in the league. I right, come on, I will call right back up here, and I apologize to everybody. Michael fan, Malafleur, Jordan Love, everybody. I apologize. But I don't think I'm going to be able to do that because <laughs> I don't believe that their quarterback going to get it done. You done been in the league three years. This is not a rookie. This is not a rookie quarterback. This is your fourth year. Three years, same system. Do you know how many quarterbacks have had multiple systems in multiple years? Take Justin Herbert for, for one. Three offensive coordinators in the four years that he's been in the league. Look what he's doing. Yeah. Same draft class. I'm just saying. Yeah, and I mean, if he turns it around, I'm not going to apologize. I have nothing to apologize for. You know, it's the same with like the Devonte thing. Like, oh, what now? Now, now what? Now you want to support me when before you were trashing me? Like, well, when you were bad at football and had drop issues and whatnot, I mentioned that you were not doing well, and now that you're good, I'm saying that you're doing well, right? That's kind of how that works. I'm just I'm just calling it as it is. So, I mean, you know, if you want to apologize for saying he's never going to be the guy, all right, fair enough. But um, if you're just saying Jordan Love is causing us to lose games, Jordan Love is not playing well enough, Jordan Love has not played up to the standard of being a good starting NFL quarterback, and then he changes that and becomes that. I'm not going to apologize. I'm just going to say, hey, great, he became that, which I said he could. So there's nothing to apologize for. It's just what it is. Um, that's that's my perspective. But if you want to call in and apologize, that's fine. I'm certainly not going to apologize for anything. I'm not going to apologize for any time I've ever said a player is playing bad. If they change that, it's not like they changed the past. Like, see, I wasn't bad yesterday because look at my game today. <laughs> like, no, this is a good day, and last game was a bad day. That's how that works. But that's how I'm going to handle that. You uh, you do what you got to do, Mike. Hey, Ryan, this is Aaron. Um, hey. And I'm just calling because there was a time a few weeks ago where I called in with before the game and my phone my call didn't get played, right? And I'm not complaining, so that's not where I'm going with it. But um, it was a prison mic impersonation of what the Chicago Bears needed to get, do to get better. And from sure. that point on, the Bears started actually being decent. I'll see. And the Packers started to suck. All right. So there's only one logical thing to do in this situation. And there's only one really good thing for Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst to do to get the Packers motivated for the rest of the season. And that is to bring in your friend, Prison Mike. Hey, I'm Prison Mike. 
this this is just the way we talk in the clink. Uh, so you're you only like to play in the second half, Jordan. Huh. What are you, fitty set with your two quarters? <laughs> Whoa, yeah, uh uh yeah, um Well, you got the game on the line, I see. Don't throw a pick. Don't throw a pick. Uh, okay, sorry. That's the best I got right now because I haven't had coffee and I am sitting in traffic, so I don't want to cause on it. So hopefully that prison mic impersonation, that really bad That ought to do it. That ought to do it. Yep. But hopefully it inspires the team if there's anyone listening. Maybe like Kingsland Igbare listens to the yes. podcast. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> Um, Kingsley is an avid listener, and he is freaking jacked up right now <laughs> listening to the motivational speech. I promise you. But yeah, Jordan, that was do what Prison Mike says, and don't just play two quarters. Bye. Oh man, catch you on the flippity flip. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to end it with that, but let's keep going. Here, Aaron, this is Aaron again. Hey. Um, so after I hung up my last call, like couple minutes ago, I was talking to my friend, Prison Mike, and he realized that he forgot to share something with you. So here, hey, Give it Prison to me. Mike, you ready? Let me have it. Yeah. Oh, here you go. Okay. Hey, this is Prison Mike again. I forgot to tell you the worst thing about prison. The worst thing about prison is how there's always that dog around. It has the keys in its mouth to unlock the doors, but he never gets close enough for you to actually get the keys to unlock yourself. So it's just like, see him right there. But I can't get it because the dog just doesn't want to come close to you. He doesn't want to get pet or anything. No, it's not like in Pirates of the Caribbean. No. Anyways, Jordan Love, you need to play better. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Prison Mike. Yeah, I guess that's the worst thing about prison. Um. Peace. <laughs> Appreciate you, Aaron. Thank you. Now, I mean, if the first one didn't do it, that that ought to do it. Um, all right, Trevor, what you got, Mike? Hey, Ryan. Uh, I'm just with you. I'm I'm sick of people thinking, blaming all our players for our struggles. Um, I outside of Jordan Love, there's no one player I could point to that is the problem right now for the team. And part of that is because there's value a quarterback. I get that. We I know there's other players that aren't the best, but. There's nobody else that is like get them off this team. Like nobody on the line. No, nobody. I mean, I I think you mentioned it, but I thought McDuffie. I don't care how he graded. I loved watching him play this yeah. past week at linebacker. I mean, he was driving to, towards the line of scrimmage, sticking people with solid hits. I mean, I, I Clay, even Devontae, like, they don't play like that. I I haven't seen a linebacker for us play like that since I don't know AJ Hawk. I mean, he was just downhill. And just laying hits on people, and I love that. Um, but anyway, also you're talking about the end around to Wicks right now, and like why we give it to Wicks. And I'm just curious, those end arounds, you know, we send those motions a lot. Is it predetermined that Wicks is getting that ball before they hike it, or is that a read type thing where Love is deciding, do I hand it to Wicks on the end around, or do I fake it and go out for the pass? Like I would think Love has that option on that play, depending on what he sees. So. And the same thing with the Christian Watson one. We want to blast that. Like, was the pre-snap read that, hey, we should fake it to Watson instead of give it to him? These are things that we just don't know. Like, I'm not ready to blame LaForce's team, as you point out a lot. I hate to be that horse, but, like, even on those end rounds, I think that's probably more on love than uh, the play call. So, go back, go. Yeah, it's possible. I don't specifically remember. And I know the... I mean, whenever you have those options, you got to block for for both options. But generally, you know, on a, on a play like that, you're going to want to make sure that you're blocking to the outside and whatnot. So all the, you know, for example, all the tight ends take off down that direction. Um, so that that would just be my guess is that it's just that is the one option that he has. But um, yeah, it's a good point. On some of these, there are options. Um, I'm trying to think what that one play was. I can't remember, but but somebody had made a comment about. You know, the, the, it should have just been checked out of. And I know that's something different, but it's still just another dynamic of a situation that you look at the play and you say it failed, and you don't necessarily blame the quarterback because, you know, it just kind of broke down. He didn't really do anything wrong. But the problem is he should have been able to identify an issue 
and change the play and there you go so that is another issue on top of it not just you know when you have different options in a run game which is very rare but does happen but also just identifying when to get out of a play and that could be some of the run situations as well like why is the the running going uh in a bad direction well it's possible that aaron Rodgers was kind of the, the conductor and he was kind of calling out the protections number one but also checking out of some bad looks and we're just not doing that right now and so that could be potentially causing some of the additional problems it's hard to know all the ins and outs and the nuances of everything, but again, all I can do is look at it, see what it looks like they're trying to do, and go from there. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I got some more stuff I got to do. You have a good rest of your night. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.